Are you wandering in the wilderness? Or are you a voice in the wilderness? Welcome to the Revival Cry podcast. This is your host, Eric Miller. Isaiah 40 verse 3 says, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. The goal of this podcast is to encourage you to use the voice God has given you to make Jesus famous. Every week, we will share principles from the Word of God, interviews, and encouragement in order to strengthen your voice. Thank you for joining me today. And now here is today's podcast. Hey, hello, everyone. This is Eric Miller from Revival Cry. So happy that you're here with me today. And I get to join with you in talking about Jesus, the lover of our souls. Amen and amen. Hey, listen, before I get into the message, I just want to welcome all of our guests who are listening on Mango Radio here in Davao City, Philippines. Maybe you're listening through the podcast or our Revival Cry YouTube channel. Thank you for subscribing and letting us know where you're listening from. We always love to hear from you and how this program is blessing you as well. Praise God. Before I get into the message, I want to share a couple of updates. Number one, Fire School of Ministry is starting up again this August 2023. We are thrilled to be able to start the school up again after not being able to meet for three years. We are located here in Davao City, Philippines, and maybe you're listening to us from somewhere in the Philippines or even another country, and you feel like God is calling you to join us here and check out Fire School of Ministry. Listen, I know it will change your lives. It's a two-year program with an additional internship, but you can find out all the information at our Facebook page, Fire School of Ministry Philippines. You can also email us at fsmphilippines at gmail.com or even visit us at 55 R. Castillo Street here in Davao City in Agdow. We have so many great classes. We have missionaries, pastors, and fire school ministry graduates who will be doing the teaching and we just can't wait to have our new students come this August. Praise the Lord. One last announcement. This May 20th, we are having a conference called Doorkeepers of Revival in General Santos City at the River of God Church, which is at Block Zero Mercado Street, City Heights, General Santos City. Myself, along with missionary Mike Bailey, Pastor Armin Valdez, and our brother in the Lord Richard Lanzanas is going to be speaking at this gathering. Last time we did this in February 2020, we had like a thousand people show up and it was such a powerful gathering. It's going to be all day, May 20th. It's totally free. Make sure you let us know you're going to be there. I believe the first 500 people will receive a free lunch. And so make sure you join us. Bring your friends, bring your church, and be encouraged as we press into God together. It's going to be powerful worship by my friend Pastor Bonquintos and the River of God worship team, Jensen Worship. 
and it's going to be a powerful time. So we look forward to seeing you there. Well, praise God. Let's get into the word today. Lord, we love you, and I thank you for your love for us. And I ask that as we open your word, that you would speak to our hearts and change our lives in your precious name. Amen. You know, today I want to talk to you about how a man or a woman of God should think about themselves. Recently, I read a testimony of a friend of mine at a church in Winter Haven, Florida, and he shared how he was a little bit embarrassed to share this testimony, but he believes God wanted him to share it because it would encourage others for what the Lord has done in his life. He said when he was a kid, he was a slow learner. He was in special ed, special classes, and his parents were told that he would probably never finish school and that he might even not be able to work a good job and take care of himself, that he would always have to be taken care of. And he, when he started working at a grocery store, people didn't think that he'd even make it. And even his supervisors and, and the boss that he was, uh, who was over him didn't know if he'd make it. But not only did he make it, but he finished high school, he's driving a truck, he's taking care of himself, and this is all because of what the Lord has done. He said, Paul told the Corinthians, God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put the wise to shame. And he says, I believe I'm one of those people. He says, I wish that I would even stop stuttering at times, but I've gotten better about it. But he says, what God has done in my life at 57 years old, I believe my best days are still ahead. He said, God has always supplied my needs and I've never lacked anything. He said, You're, you don't have to have limitations in the Lord. He can give you the ability to, think, to do things that you never thought you could do. Don't let anybody tell you that you're worthless and can't do anything because God has much more to say about you. Listen to what the Lord says. Believe it and act on it. You know, when I read this, it reminded me of a scripture verse in Proverbs 23, verse 7. And it says, For a man, as a man thinks in his heart, or as a woman thinks in their heart, so is he. It's just the first part of that verse. But I think it's so powerful because what we think about ourselves determines our identity. Because we have the control about how we're going to live. So if I believe negative words of what people says or curses that were made over me when I was younger or by friends and I was compared to by others or maybe parents talked down to you or, or a teacher or someone in authority told you you would never measure up and why can't you be like somebody else? You know, these things stay in the back of our minds and if we don't forgive people and we hold on to them, they develop patterns of thinking in our lives that begin to limit the ability of what God can do in and through us. Now, God's not limited, but we can limit God from by what we choose to do with our own will. And so when we're born again, when we surrender our life to Jesus, he comes to live on the inside of us. He only does what we allow him to do. And we, when we ask God to take control and be Lord, then, you know... And he starts working. 
He's going to touch on areas of our life that we might not want him to touch. But the fact is, he knows it will be for our own good. So that if he can deliver us from these bad patterns of thinking, from these words and things that keep us in limitation and uh, not moving out an abundant life that Jesus has purchased for us, he wants to set us free because he loves us. Listen, Jesus not only died on the cross so that we would go to heaven one day, he actually died on the cross so that heaven could come to earth and live in and through you and me. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. When we repent, the kingdom of heaven is immediately given to us, is at our hand. It's available to us. And so God wants to manifest his kingdom in and through our lives without limitation. And so... That's why when we say, greater is he who's in me than he that is in the world, we're making a declaration that I'm not who I used to be. I'm a new creation in Christ. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. Well, recently, I was reading the book of Titus, and I'm reading out of the New King James Version of the Bible. And in the introduction to that book, this is what it says about Titus. It says, Titus was a young pastor facing an assignment of setting in order the church at Crete, the island of Crete. Paul writes, advising Titus to appoint elders, men of proven spiritual character in their homes and businesses, to oversee the work of the church. But elders are not the only individuals in the church who are required to excel spiritually. Men and women, young and old, each have their own vital functions to fulfill in the church. If they are being, if they are to be living examples of the doctrine they profess to believe, throughout his letter to Titus, Paul stresses the ne the necessity of practical working out of salvation in the daily lives of both the elders and the congregation. Good works are desirable and profitable for all believers. You know, in Acts 2, 16 through 18, after the believers experienced the day of Pentecost where the Holy Spirit came down, they began to speak with other tongues and they spilled out into the streets, you know, preaching the gospel. Peter began to preach and he said, this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, said God, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Not some flesh, not just leaders, not just people with big personalities, but people of all kinds. And your sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions. Old men dream dreams. And on my men servants and maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. You see, God wants us to know that our ability to be used by him is only limited by us. And if you and I recognize how great a salvation that has been purchased for us on the cross that Jesus shed his blood on, then if we simply believe and take him at his word and we allow his word to be established within our hearts, then there's no limitations for you and I anymore. And so the biggest hurdle that I believe Christians have to overcome is what they believe about who they are in Christ. 
And so in Titus chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, this is just Paul's opening introduction to that chapter. And I believe there's like maybe three chapters in this book of Titus. This is what he says. He exhorts Titus by revealing to him how God has exhorted him and caused him to change his thinking. So he's telling Titus how he is to think as a man of God. So in verse 1, Paul, a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledgement of the truth which accords with godliness, in the hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began, but has in due time manifested his word through preaching, which was committed to me according to the commandment of God our Savior. Verse 4, To Titus, a true son in our common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. So, Paul is telling Titus, let me tell you how you are to think about yourself. I'm going to exhort you so that you can know how to train up others around you. Because what you believe about yourself is how you're going to disciple other people. And all of us are called to make disciples. Not just elders, pastors, teachers, preachers, missionaries, evangelists, apostles, prophets, right? But everyone who calls himself a Christian is called to make disciples. How we make disciples will, how we make good disciples will be determined by what we believe about ourselves. So let's look into some things. How should we think of ourselves as a man or a woman of God? Well, number one, we need to think of ourselves as a slave of God before we receive any title. Now, what does that mean? Well, Paul opens up this book by saying he's a bondservant of the Lord and an apostle. And I like how we put that first. No, Paul didn't have an idea that God, he wanted to submit himself to God so that God could torture him into obedience. No, he understood his sonship. But he calls himself a bondservant because he understood how great a salvation that he has experienced when he was born again. When Jesus changed his heart, that he used to be this, you know, knowledgeable Pharisee of Pharisees, but now in brokenness and humility recognizes that what Jesus did for him, he didn't deserve. And so he, he says, I'm a bondservant of the Lord. You know, we, when we think about amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved the wretch like me. I once was lost, now I'm found, but was, was blind, but now I see. It puts us in perspective. God doesn't want us to just see ourselves as his slaves. But when Paul says, I want to be your slave, he's saying, I'm willingly laying my life down for you because you laid your life down for me. And I'm so eternally grateful for what you've done for me, Lord. Then that puts proper perspective of any title that we might bear in this life. So whether you're called an apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist, it doesn't or whatever, elder, or, you know, father, mother, whatever your your title might be in this life. It should come from a proper 
perspective of what Jesus has done for us, who we are in him, and how we are to affectionately live our lives before him as we serve others. So number two, that we should think of ourselves as a man or a woman of faith, as a people who don't hold back and live in doubt. There's so much doubt around us in this life right now. People don't know what to do, you know, during the season of COVID and isolation and loneliness. But if we live by faith and not by sight, then no matter what's happening around us, whether it be good or bad, we're living our lives as unto the Lord. And that's a life of faith. It's being consistent. It's knowing that he still sits on the throne. And that Jesus Christ, as Hebrews says, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Faith is the substance of things. Hope for it's the evidence of things not yet seen. So we believe God, even though we may not see the breakthrough of what we might need at a particular moment in our life, but we still believe him because we know that God is true, that he's not going to lie, that he is, that, that we could go to the bank on his word and deposit that check of faith every single day, knowing that he is going to respond to us and provide and be faithful to us at every point of our life. Number three, this is how should we think of ourselves as a man or a woman of God? We should think of ourselves as a man or a woman of truth, as a person who doesn't live as a liar anymore or a hypocrite, but a man or a woman that, that lives according to the truth, the belt of truth wrapped around our waist. I remember living as addicted to pornography and as a hypocrite, going to church as a youth pastor, living one way and worshiping on Sunday. But when I would lift up my hands, was I doing it for God or for people to see me? And yet when Jesus changed my heart, now I want to live for truth. Now I want to worship him in spirit and in truth and let him know how much he means to me. Friend, it's possible to live a life of truth. And maybe you're a new believer and still trying to learn how to live in truth. My friend, the Holy Spirit will deal with your conscience. And he'll say, don't lie. Don't be a hypocrite. You know, Get right with me. Walk with me in truth. Learn how to adapt your life to truth. So in that way, we can represent him well before others. Because there's so much, uh, many liars around us, right? And we don't want to live like that. We want to be different as Christians. We want to live with a voice of truth coming in everything that we say so that people can hear us prophesy, whether intentionally or unintentionally, that we know that God is who he says he is because we believe his truth. Number four, think of yourself as a man or a woman of godliness. What is godliness? Well, it's the opposite of, of living in, in this worldliness, right? Godliness is living like God would, living like Christ set an example for us. And so as we serve the Lord in godliness, we are representing the fragrance of the kingdom of heaven. We're releasing that fragrance for people to smell, to taste and see that the Lord is good. Godliness is so powerful. It's not only by what we say 
that determines if people want to follow Jesus or not. It's the godliness. Are you at home? Do you help out as a son or a daughter? Are you washing the dishes, doing your chores, you know, helping your parents? Are you at work? Do you have a godly reputation? Do you talk to people respectfully, you know? Do you talk down to people or do you talk up to them? You know, as a missionary, you know, sometimes it's easy to want to act like you know it all, but we shouldn't talk down to people. We should always talk up to people. We should always come with a heart to serve. That's godliness. That's looking like Jesus did. Jesus didn't come to rule over us. He came to serve us. And then we ask him to rule over us because we realize, wow, you're God and you're serving me. How can you wash my feet? But not only my feet, but my whole being. I want every part of who you are. See, that's what it means to live in godliness, is to live the way that Jesus did in this life. Number five, that we need to think of ourselves as a man or woman of who's full of hope. Hope. Hope in the midst of hopelessness. There's so much hopelessness. There's so much pain and suffering around the world. Wars, rumors of wars, famine, you know, people with sickness and struggling and death and, and all this. Friend, we got to be a voice of hope. We got to represent what it means to give hope in the midst of terrible situations or, or even normal life situations. You know, I have friends that are struggling in their families and their marriages and with their kids. And, you know, we want to be a, a family of hope, a marriage of hope. I want to be an individual of hope. So when I get in that taxi cab and I'm talking to that uh, man who's trying to make enough money to supply his family's needs and doesn't know where it's going to come from, friend, we want to give him hope. Maybe you could give somebody hope by giving them a tip. Maybe you could give somebody hope by doing something extra, going the extra mile, doing something that you wouldn't normally do to say, no, there's hope. You don't have to be under the weight of whatever it is is hanging over your shoulders. There's hope, my friend. Number six, we need to think of yourself as a man or a woman who's waiting for eternal life. You know, the great revivalist Leonard Ravenhill, had a, a photo, a picture framed, put next to his bed, and the word was written, eternity. And every day he wanted to wake up in the morning to be eternity-minded. You know, Ecclesiastes tells us that God has set in our heart eternity. We are to be eternity-minded. We are to live that every decision we make, everything we do in this life, it's going to affect our eternity. I'm not uh, talking about our salvation. But if we know our salvation is secure in Jesus, then we should want to live for eternity to make the most impact that we can in this life, to bring as many souls as we possibly can. You know, don't waste your life, my friend. Live for eternity. Live so that Jesus can receive all the fame and the glory and the honor for what he's done for you and because it's such a great salvation. And he's purchased for you and me. Number seven, think of yourself as a man or a woman who does not lie. We kind of talk about that before. Number eight, think of yourself as a man or a woman who fulfills their promises. Do you fulfill your promises? Do you let your yes be yes and your no be no? This is what I'm talking about. What, what are we talking about today? We're talking about growing and maturing in the Lord. I'm not. Nobody's asking you to be perfect today. 
I'm saying that Jesus is our example. And if we choose to become more like him, then these are areas of our life that we have to learn how to be faithful. Jesus made promises and he fulfilled them. There's not one promise that he ever made to his parents, to his disciples, and uh, and to anybody that went unfulfilled. When he asked someone, do you want to be made well? You know, blind Bartimaeus, what do you want? I want to see. He would fulfill that promise and say, well, let your eyes be opened. He, when he came back when Lazarus had died and people were weeping and broken, if you were here we know he wouldn't have died. They just didn't recognize who Jesus was. But Jesus didn't just fulfill promises as a man, but as God. He, is, he was fully man and fully God. And he fulfills the promises to forgive sin, to heal hearts, to set captives free, to raise the dead. Friend, when we die, God will fulfill his promise. And he says, I'm the resurrection of life. He who believes in me will live forever. That you don't have to feel like this life is the end. It's only the beginning, friend. Hallelujah. Number nine, think of yourself as a man or a woman who is ordained by God. Are you a believer who knows they're ordained? Bob Weiner, a well-known preacher, Maranatha Mysteries. He used to come minister at the School of Ministry in Pensacola when I was there. And he would say, who's a full-time minister? And he would have all of us raise up our hands and go, woo, I'm a full-time minister. Friend, you're a full-time minister. You are. You might say, no, I, I work in a small store. I'm a taxi cab driver. I'm a teacher. I, I'm a stay-at-home mom. You are a full-time minister. How do I knew that? How do I know that? Because when Jesus gave his life, shed his blood, and empowered all of us with the Holy Spirit, we are ordained by God. Maybe you're not ordained to be a, a, a pastor or an evangelist or something that we would think of when we use the word or to be ordained. But here's the fact. You are ordained by God to go make disciples. You were called, chosen, set apart by God. You are a part of the priesthood of all believers, as it says in 1 Peter. I want to encourage you to remember that you're ordained by God so that you would feel responsibility in this life to not put all the work upon the shoulders of our pastors and spiritual leaders, but know that we are called to represent the kingdom. We are ambassadors for Christ. We are chosen, set apart by God for such a time as this. Praise the Lord. Just have three more. Number 10, think of yourself as a man or a woman who preaches the gospel. What does the gospel mean? Good news. We have to preach the gospel. I'm not saying you got to Again, preach on Sunday morning. I'm saying preach the gospel through your life, through your attitudes, through your actions. Do you believe the truth that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? If you so believe that, then we have to open our mouths. We have to live with our lifestyle so that people could say, wow, that is what a Christian looks like. You know, many years ago, I had this issue in immigration and... And I had to change plane tickets. I missed my flight because I had to do more immigration things. And it was real frustrating. It actually cost us about $3,000 or 150,000 pesos. And I didn't have the money. And I was frustrated. But you know what happened? The Lord said, keep your peace and I'll take care of it. Well, not only did he take care of it, 
but he provided the funds supernaturally. And at the end of the week, when I went to the immigration officer, they said to me, Mr. Miller, we just want you to know that you have represented to us what a real Christian is to look like. And I thought, wow, what an honor that God would allow me and you to preach this gospel and let people know that what we believe in Jesus Christ is true and it manifests through peace, through joy. Friend, we got to show the world that all things are possible for him that believes. Amen. Number 11, think of yourself as a man or a woman who God gives honor to. And number 12, think of yourself as a man or a woman who value their sonship, who value their sonship. Wow, that God would call you and me a son or a daughter. What an honor that is. What an honor to know that God would share with us his inheritance, his legacy, that he would adopt us as sons and daughters. My friend, that's who you are to him. He loves you. You don't have to do anything to get God to love you. He already loves you. You know, when we sin, we hold our minds back from believing the word of God, which says he loves us. And then we believe the voice of accusation and lying and deception. I want to encourage you, friend, today. Believe the gospel. Believe that you are who he says you are in Christ. You are loved. You are chosen. You are honored. God has a plan for your life. And I want to encourage you to continue to press into him. You don't have to pray as a minister. We have to pray as sons and daughters. As we read the word of God, all we have to do is recognize that this is God's love letter to you and me. When we witness for the Lord that we witness out of the overflow of our hearts. Oh, he's changed me and I love him so much. Father, I thank you for everybody listening to me today or watching this today. And I ask in the name of Jesus that you would fill them with your thoughts, that you would renew their minds, that you would remove ungodly thoughts and place them with godly thoughts, and that they would think according to the way that you have caused us to think by the Holy Spirit and by the Word of God, that we have the helmet of salvation in Jesus' name. God bless you. We love you, folks. We can't wait to be with you next time. Thank you for listening to Revival Cry with Eric Miller. Please subscribe, rate, and write a review for this podcast on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To find out more or partner with our missions work around the world, please visit us at revivalcry.org. I look forward to being with you next week.